Hey, uh, welcome back. How many of you guys were at Think Conference? You hear that? That is the sound of changed lives right there. Yep. Uh, how many of you guys got to see an awesome homecoming game this week? You hear that? They're excited too, just not as excited. But I'm glad you guys did that, that's awesome. Hey, uh, we are gonna have the, the audio from Think Conference available for those of you who missed it, or those of you who wanna go back and have the experience all over again. Uh, hey, tonight uh, we are taking some time to kinda do like a Q&A panel from Think Conference. So I wanna give a quick recap of what we looked at this weekend. And then I've asked our lovely panel, let's hear it for Karen Stonehouse. Okay. And Kayla Helmer. And Luke Helmer. Thank you for indulging me in that activity. Uh, so hey, let me give you a quick recap uh, of Think Conference, and then here's how this is gonna roll. Uh, I've got a couple of questions that uh, I've put together that the panel is ready for, and then we're also gonna take some questions from you guys as well along the way. And so uh, I reserve the right to say thank you so much for that question. Let's talk afterwards, and then you and I can talk afterwards about that question. I also reserve the right to say, really? Okay? Uh, so, uh, I won't do that. There's, there, there is such thing as a bad question, um, so don't ask one of those. Uh, ask a good question, a thoughtful question, a, a question that would be uh, helpful for more than just you sitting in the room. So, uh, and, and chances are, if you have a genuine, sincere question, you are not the only person who has that question, and it would be loving of you, and it would serve your brothers and sisters well for you to ask that question, okay? Uh, sometimes people might not be as bold or have as much courage as you do, and so you can love them and serve them well by stepping up and asking that question, okay? So here's what we looked at. Uh, Think Conference, first of all, the whole idea of Think Conference is recognizing that the way we change, the way we become more like Jesus is by the Spirit of God working through the Word of God. And so we see several times in Scripture that we're to be renewed in the Spirit of our mind. That is, we do what we do because we want what we want, and we want what we want because we think what we think. That's why Romans chapter 12 would say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 verses 20 through 21 would talk about putting sin off. Same with Colossians chapter 3. Putting sin off, creating space for the word of God and the spirit of God to be doing a work in you, and then being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then beginning to walk in godliness. So this year we looked all about relationships and trying to figure out and discern and understand from God's word how we should think about relationships. Uh, session one was on our relationship with God, uh, that our relationship with God ought to be priority. Deuteronomy chapter six, we're called to love God with our all, everything, all of us, everything internal, everything external, everything that we have at our disposal should be employed in the service of declaring 
Jesus is Lord. I love him. He's my greatest treasure. This is my God. Uh, Then session two, Pastor Nate preached on our relationship with our parents. If we have a right relationship with the Lord, we're then positioned to have a right relationship with our parents, Uh, a relationship that's characterized by love, a relationship that's characterized by humility, and a relationship that's characterized by joy. Uh, He mentioned three things that your parents wish that you knew about parenting. Number one, parenting is hard. Uh, Number two, Nate said, we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, And then third, he said, uh, we love you so much. Uh, That's what your parents want you to know about them being parents. And uh, maybe you having a better understanding of that helps you to have a relationship characterized by love, humility, and joy. Uh, Pastor Corey helped us look at Proverbs chapter 23. And there he talked about not being the companion of fools, but walking with the wise. Uh, He shared about two of his friends that he grew up with, Ben and Kevin, and just how they have chosen the way of uh, the wicked. And because of that, uh, one of them is no longer here and is spending eternity separated from Christ, and the other one is um, barely hanging on. And he was praising God for rescuing him from those friendships and bringing about a radical transformation in his life. Um, And then finally, uh, the fourth session, we looked at marriage, a gospel-centered, gospel-saturated, founded on the word of God, flowing from the fountain of the gospel, focused on the glory of God, marriage. And so that's the conference that you missed this weekend. If you weren't here, if you were here, that's a quick recap. And uh, we're going to jump in. We're going to take it uh, kind of section by section And then uh, if you guys, so after we kind of get through some questions, I'll just kind of turn to you guys. Hey, what questions do you guys have? And we'll take it from there. Does that sound good? Let me pray and ask for the Lord's help. Father, we're so thankful to be gathered together again this evening, uh, grateful for these students and for the ways that you are working in their lives. Father, we do ask um, that tonight would just help bring further clarity and help as we think about the relationships that you have graciously granted to us. And um, God, just let us love and serve one another well in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Session one, relationship with God. So uh, Karen, Kayla, Luke, for you guys, uh, what are ways that you've cultivated your relationship with the Lord? So I came up with five points for this, um, just to kind of make it easy and not have a ton of things. Uh, One, and some of them sound like they're like, duh, of course, but it goes a little deeper. Like, so reading your Bible, and you're all like, yeah, we know that. But I mean, like, reading and studying, not like, I read my chapter, check mark, and now I'm off to play my video games. You know, like, get into it and take your time in some smaller passages to see what is this really about? What is this saying? Um, Prayer, which is another obvious, but I don't just mean asking God, like, help me on this test and help my parents to let me go to this thing I want to go to. You know, it's talking to God, just like you talk to your friends and you might be walking outside and like, wow, God, I can't believe what a beautiful sunset you're letting me enjoy tonight. Like things that we don't deserve that God's given us. So talking being in communion with him. Um, 
third, being at church, another one that sounds obvious, but I mean being all in at church, not just showing up here and then doing your time and leaving, but like your mind is engaged, you want to learn, you're participating, um, you're listening, and then you're worshiping. When we're singing, that's not the precursor to what's coming up. Okay, I'll, now Cody's talking, so I'll listen. No, the No, singing. they're sleeping. They're sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, no sleeping or anything. But um, yeah, the, the singing is like worshiping God, looking at the words, you know, on the screen, thinking about them. So those are things that are helpful. Um, last two, serving God by serving others. Just that helps to cultivate your relationship with God and being around other believers just in general because you will lift each other up. That's good. That's good. Um, so we... we these five things that you just put out on the table, um, these are things that we, we do in our life. We know we're supposed to do them. Uh, we've seen the Lord work through them. And then there are some seasons in our life where we're doing these things faithfully, spending time in God's word, we're praying, we're in church regularly, uh, we're serving one another. I mean, all of these realities we begin to have in our life. And then there are times where even in the midst of that, we still don't desire God. Like we do them because we know we're supposed to do them and Christian boys and girls read their Bible and pray every day so that they'll grow, grow, grow. Uh, but uh, what do we do when like we don't desire God even in the midst of all of that? Um, that's a great question. That's something that I've been learning a whole lot about lately. Um, I think that this is the most important question uh, that we might have tonight. I don't know what any questions you guys are going to ask, but uh, I think this might be the most important question on the piece of paper because the answer to this question sends you to hell or to heaven. You know, that's how big of a deal this question is. Um, so when I don't desire God, uh, I used to kind of think it was no big deal, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but now I get scared. Now I get scared when I don't desire God. Um, and so I have so much to say about this that I'm only going to give you like 1% of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the, the, I think the two things, just two. The first one is uh, kill all areas of known sin in your life. That's huge, you know. If you're looking at pornography, if you're, you know, starving yourself, if you're, uh, you know, got some little outlier of bad language or whatever, and you're holding on to that because you love it, and then you wonder why it is that you don't love God, well, <laughs> that's why. So fight all known sin. And you can do that, right? That's the thing that I didn't get until, quite frankly, about, like, I don't know, three months ago. For some reason, I didn't understand that. I thought that following Jesus was like some automatic process where, you know, you pray this prayer this one time or you go up on, you know, come up here or whatever, and then you just, like, magically get holier, you know, without doing any work. Um, Two people, two teachers have blown that up for me. Uh, one of them is a secular guy named Jordan Peterson, and the other one's John Piper. And uh, so here's one Bible verse from Romans 
That's Luke. From Romans, it's uh, Romans 8. Um, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. So you put them to death. So do whatever you need to do. I mean, Jesus said, cut off your eye, cut off your hand. Do what you need to do. Get violent. Um, And then the second thing is what Karen said, immerse yourself in God's word. Um, I, I try to read my Bible every day. I don't do it every day. I'd like to. Um, and I don't, to be quite honest with you, a lot of the times when I read my Bible, I don't leave that situation like skipping or, you know, with my mind blown about the Lord. It's sometimes it's pretty dry for me. However, listening to sermons, uh, listening to sermons either from that are preached here or that are preached elsewhere, for some reason the Lord uses stuff in my ears uh, to really pierce into my heart and help me love him more. So those are the two things that I do. Kill sin and uh, immerse myself in God's word. That's what I try to do. That's really good. Really, really helpful. Uh, I've, I've heard it said, uh, does reading your Bible every day guarantee that you will be a strong follower of Christ? And the answer is no. But the person goes on to say, I know of no strong Christians who do not read their Bible almost every day. So just doing the action of reading the Bible, kind of like what Karen started with, chapter a day keeps the devil away. Um, it's, it's not that, right? Uh, it's not just the perfunctory, I should do it, so I'm going to do it, and I just did it, and now I'm moving on with all the other things I wanted to do. Um, but it's, you know, we're talking about this in the context of a relationship, Right? Um, and so if, if, if your relationship was perfunctory like that with anyone else, you wouldn't expect there to be an intimacy or an increase of joy in that relationship. Uh, in fact, you would just anticipate it being pretty much the same. Uh, it would be maintenance mode, not growth mode. And the same reality is true in our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes we treat God like he's something other than person. And he's three persons one God, and all of them are to be, he is, the essence of God is to be related with uh, in its entirety. And so we ought to cultivate this relationship similarly to the way that we would cultivate any other meaningful relationship in our lives. Um, Now, this is, um, you know, Katie and I, we were talking a little bit uh, Friday night after session one, and just this massive call to loving God with our all. Um, And then here, Luke, I think you're absolutely right, and I appreciate uh, you bringing the seriousness of this question to light. Um, And so uh, while we have the seriousness and without jettisoning the seriousness of this reality, um, what hope or confidence or joy can we have because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done for us? Um, Where can we rest in the midst of our striving? Even listening to you two has made me think of one of my favorite verses regarding my relationship with God, which is, it's in the book of James, and it's draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And even that thing of draw near to God and he will draw near to you, that's what Jesus did when he came and walked among us. Uh, We have a God who is close and a God who uh, has come near, and we have great hope in that. Amen. Yeah, that's that's really, really good, that verse specifically, because uh, here's the thing, God's not running away from you, right? Uh, he's not like up in heaven with arms folded, tapping his foot, saying, screwed up again, never going to get it right. Oh, you're coming, I'm leaving, right? Uh, that's not God. He's not like us, Uh, and so that is super hopeful. I appreciate you bringing that passage to mind because as we draw near to the Lord, he really does draw near to us. That is a promise of God that you can take to the bank. Um, Good, good. Uh, Let me ask you guys, what, what questions do you have when it comes to relationship with God? Who would be that first person to raise their hand in this room and ask that question that everyone is thinking? Yes, I see that hand. That's good. So when you're struggling in your faith, you know that you should be going to God, but you don't really want to. How do you push past that wall? So I think that's a really good question, especially following up the discussion so far, because uh, it's kind of like so practically, like what do I do when I get into that spot? How do I push past that wall? I think it comes down to humility. I mean, I've had those times where, I'm in an argument with someone, and I don't want to do the right thing. I just want to do what I want to do. And even when God's convicting me, it's like, I don't want to go make amends with them because I'm mad at them, you know. And so those types of things, you know, you don't want to go to God because you know what God's going to tell you to do. He's going to tell you to do the right thing. Um, But it comes to humility. Am I going to, you know, put myself on top or am I going to put God on top and do what he wants, wants me to do? That's good. That's really good. I appreciate that, too, because uh, the, the first response that comes to my mind and, and, and having that component of it, I think, is so helpful because uh, I typically think of uh, discipline leads to desire, desire leads to delight. And yet, in all of that, if humility is not the chief thing there, what happens is, instead of doing the discipline of like, even though I don't feel like pursuing the Lord, I'm going to pursue the Lord anyway, that's a humility reality. That's choosing to submit ourselves to truth from God's word and to trust the Lord in the way that he works, right? Rather than saying, well, then I'm just going to give up or I'm going to go do it some other way or I'm going to find my satisfaction somewhere else. Like, that's pride. But humility says, okay, like, if this is the way that the Lord has said, draw near to me, then I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to draw near to the Lord in those ways and trust that over time, who knows how long this season will be, eventually the discipline of being faithful to the Lord in the things that he's called me to do is going to lead to desire. And desire will sometimes and oftentimes and maybe more increasingly throughout life give way to delight. Awesome. Helpful. Go ahead, Luke. Um, that's a really good question. I, I would say also um, be aware of the fact that you're, you're making a choice, you know, that um, that's what I would say is, is which comes first, the, the feeling or, or which is going to lead you, your feeling or your decision. 
Um, and I get, I get the question because that, that's been my whole weekend, just everything that's been going on. I'm just wiped, I was wiped out, especially yesterday, and I did not have a particularly good attitude, and I was trying to have a good attitude and not really succeeding very well. Um, so, yeah, I get that. I would say, you know, yeah, know that you're, um, have you seen Star Wars? Uh-oh. Have you seen the, the I mean, have, but have you seen the Star, not this new stuff, you know? Amen, sister. Okay, good. So, Star Wars, I love Star Wars, but Star Wars ruined my life at the same time. Because there's a tricky little lesson buried in Star Wars A New Hope. How do, you, how do you live your life? How do you accomplish the big things that you want to accomplish, right? That's what Luke Skywalker, he wants to be a hero. How do you be a hero? And what Star Wars teaches is the way you be a hero is you let go your conscious self and you act on instinct. You do whatever your feelings tell you to do. And um, I didn't even realize it, but that's how I was living my life for a really, really long time. I was just doing whatever I felt like. I was, I was turning off my targeting computer. And um, it was disastrous. I mean, it was truly disastrous. And uh, so I would say kick that idea to the curb and acknowledge that you're making a choice. You're, you're making a choice. And you get to make that choice. The Lord, the Lord has given you free will given you the ability to choose to follow him. So choose it, because you can. Amen. I have not seen Star Wars. Um, yeah, and all God's people said boo, okay? Uh, I've seen one of them with my friend Luke, but that's it, all right? Uh, but my point in saying that is, I didn't know where he was going with that for a minute. So to reiterate, Throw that to the curb, yeah. okay? <laughs> so very bad. That's right. That's right. Well said. Uh, very good. Uh, okay, any other questions on relationship with the Lord? I mean, the answer is yes. You have about a 1,001 of them, but any other questions you'd like to ask? Yeah, Brandon. So when someone is stuck in a rut of sinning, what advice would you have for them to begin to find their way out of that rut? Is that okay? To the panel. The, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, James, um, the book of James. That was a big one for me in high school. I was, uh, I was in college even, I was, I was trapped by pornography. And um, the book of James, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And that was such a big deal for me, getting close friends that I knew involved and telling them and confessing to them what was going on. Um, you know, sometimes you tell yourself that whatever your problem is, it's not an especially big deal until you see the expression on your friend's face when you tell them about it. And sometimes that puts, knocks a little bit of seriousness into you. And um, then they're also there to help you. They're also there to help you. That's good. Um. Have you ever seen Star Wars? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that's 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 really helpful because here here's what happens. Uh, we can we can sometimes just say, um, "This is my personal relationship with Jesus." Um, that's part of what the Bible talks about, but the Bible talks a whole lot about 
our relationship with Jesus and doing relationship with Jesus in the community of other people doing relationship with Jesus. And so uh, I think that's a, an extremely wise response, Luke, and super helpful. Um, you will continue to struggle in sin if you do not bring the secret things into the light. Um, he who confesses seeks mercy, and mercy is to be found in confession. Uh, we don't confess to a priest. Uh, we confess to one another, and we pray for one another, trusting that the Lord will bring healing in that. So very good. Great question. Uh, super helpful. Maybe one more in this area. Yes, ma'am, I see that hand. That is a great question. If, if, you, if you're not in a regular habit of seeking the Lord and his word, uh, where's a good starting spot, right? Uh, so let's do this. Let's, let's constrain the response to like 20 seconds a person. So maybe just here's where I might suggest, and here's a sentence or two why. Okay? Whoever's ready, go. It's Kayla. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, I would say, first of all, have a plan. That's a great question because one of the easiest ways to kill your desire for God is to not have a plan. And so you may just close your eyes and hope that it turns out okay when you open up your Bible and it's in a sad, scary, or confusing passage and then you give up and quit. So have a plan is my short answer. That's good. Good. Have a plan. Um, I really like the little bitty epistles. Um, the short ones, you know, even the ones that are just a few chapters long, I really like those because you can read them all in one sitting. Uh, yeah, an epistle, that's a good question. Like the little bitty books in the New Testament, right? Like First John, yeah, towards the end. Exactly right. It's a letter. And so when, when you read it all in one sitting, that's the way it was designed to be read. And they're short enough that you can do that and have that experience of reading a letter. So I like, I like those little guys. Excellent. Good question. Helpful responses. Thank you, guys. Okay, uh, let's, let's talk about relationship with parents here for just a little bit. Um, maybe one or two of you could just share a brief testimony of how your relationship with your parents has been a blessing to you. So maybe a, one or two of you, a brief testimony of how your parents have been a blessing to you. I have the advantage of having good parents. So my parents have been a blessing to me in a lot of ways. Um, I honestly, I hardly know what to say beyond that. Um, they were, uh, are, they're not dead, gee. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> let's see, they, um, I mean, they just taught me so much. They still are a blessing. They're watching our daughter right now while we're here. It's just so much fun to be with them. And I understand for some of you, for whatever reason, maybe that's not the case with your parents. And we'll talk about that here in a while. But I just, I think probably the biggest thing is just that they were good parents. They were just such good parents. And what a lovely blessing that is. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Good. Kayla or Karen, any ways that your parents have been a blessing to you? I have a complicated answer. <laughs> That's, uh, 
And that's that's great, and that's super helpful. And were you the one that was going to kind of take on the last question as well? So let me put that out on the table, and then you can kind of talk about the two of those together and how they come together. Would that work? I think it would work. So uh, the, the question was, uh, how do you restore a broken relationship with parents? So kind of taking these two, how have, how have your parents been a blessing to you? And uh, if there have been some times where there's been some significant hurt or extended periods of, and hurt can come from a lot of different realities. It could come from um, the, the neglect of a parent. It could come from the disinterest of a parent. Uh, it could come from the abuse of a parent. And by abuse, that could be verbal, emotional, sexual, physical. Um, so we, we all recognize that as we sit in a room this size and we look to our left and our right, uh, there are a lot of people in this room and not everybody in here has parents that are even following Jesus, number one, number two, that are faithfully following Jesus, and number three, that have even sought to be good parents. Uh, so uh, how have your parents been a blessing to you and how do you go about restoring a broken relationship with parents? So I... Again, I have a complicated <laughs> answer to, to both of these questions. Um, I have, I think, well, not I think, I have sort of three parents and, and three different stories of how this has looked, but I would say that in all three areas, God has blessed me richly. And it's hard because I am, goodness, I'm 30 years old, and I think just now I used to kind of see things as, well, wow, things were really hard and really difficult. Guess it turned out okay, but whew. And I saw a lot of the damage, and I still see a lot of the damage, but I have been learning that even that in itself is a blessing. God talks about, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And for all of the failings of my parents, um, and they have been large failures and painful ones, uh, which have altered my life drastically, uh, for all of the pain, God has pulled me close and sustained me. So um, to kind of get into the next part of the question, how do I heal a broken relationship with my parents? First of all, that's a, a serious and painful question. Um, and even there was, there was another thought of, uh, can, uh, do I have to be intimate with my parents? Um, and I would say from personal experience, no. Uh, I have one parent who truly uh, abandoned me. Like she, uh, my birth mom has no custody rights to me. She literally sold her custody rights to me. Uh, so she is no longer my parent. We are estranged. Um, and again, that was uh, my parents divorced and she, went crazy and bailed. And, uh, but from, again, from that brokenness, the Lord has drawn near and taught me how to uh, surrender my anger and uh, surrender the sadness and the neglect to him. And he has been a father to me, even when my parents literally were not there and did reject me. God chose me. Uh, in place of that rejection. Uh, my father, actually, ugh, it's, marriage is complicated and relationships are complicated, but you could say that my father was at fault for the divorce. He had an affair 
And uh, I responded to that by hating him and in order to repair my broken relationship with him because he did repent and he did come to Christ. Um, But I was the one who was still, even as he repented and changed and grew and God redeemed that, I still hated him and I still protected my, thought I was protecting myself from more pain by hating him. And God was gracious to use that as a blessing to me by uh, showing me my own hypocrisy and uh, showing me that I am not a fit judge. Um, And so the Lord has blessed me by teaching me repentance and that has healed that relationship. And it was only repentance um, that healed it and God enabled me to repent. Um, And then finally, I think the easiest answer (laughs) to how have my parents been a blessing to me is I, uh, if you guys, this is another movie illusion, uh, who has seen The Sound of Music? Uh, So, um, the sound of music is, in fact, my life story minus the Nazis and plus God. (laughs) No Nazis. Um, So, my, um, a woman who uh, loved Jesus and followed him uh, came into my family's life in the midst of birth mom uh, disintegrating and uh, dad kind of trying to hold things together. And uh, a woman who loved Jesus came into the mix, and she modeled Jesus' love by staying and by loving us. And she went on to marry my father and actually adopt me as her daughter. And so I have, I am very, very fortunate to have a living person have walked through what it looks like to absorb sin and love me and choose me in the name of Jesus that has blessed me immensely. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, It is truly remarkable to hear and to know how the Lord has worked in a uh, very, very messy situation. Uh, And yet, uh, I think probably for most of us as we sit here, uh, we can think of a messy situation in our lives or in the lives of someone that's very near to us. And so to hear the way that the Lord has worked through that and, um, you know, what, what you hear in the story is yes, the Lord working in a mighty way. And at the same time, uh, a continued struggle with, uh, hurt and pain. And, uh, so it's not all sunshine and roses and that's not the end of the story, this side of eternity friends. Um, but there is a glorious future that we're promised in Christ and that all of these things will be brought to a a place of uh, realized hope and joy because of the gospel. Thank you, Kayla. Uh, Questions that you guys have on relationship with parents. Lincoln, how do you deal with trust issues with your parents? Um, And let me just ask a clarifying question. You want your parents to trust you or you're struggling to trust your parents? And it doesn't have to be you specifically, but just which way are you talking about? It could go both ways. He's asking both questions, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you ask two questions at one time. Okay, Uh, so how do you deal with trust issues? Uh, Trust parents are struggling to trust you, or maybe let's start with this. Um, You have a difficult time trusting your parents. 
It's, it's a broad question, so maybe just a couple of ways to begin pointing us in a direction to deal with trust issues with parents. <laughs> Can I start? Okay, I'll start. Um, it is, it, it's, it's a really, really important question, and uh, we have to realize that the question when being asked from any individual sitting in the room, it's being asked for a different reason. Uh, it could be trust issues because of something that a parent's done, it could be trust issues because of something that you just struggle with internally as an individual, and maybe your parents have done nothing uh, to, to kind of have you have trust issues with them. And so there's a whole variety of ways that you have to consider this kind of question. Um, I think when you struggle to trust your parents, um, the very first place to begin is by crying out for wisdom from the Lord. Um, and that's not punting on the question. Um, we have to be people who think this way. Uh, if we are seeking wisdom and wisdom for a way to deal with a relationship where it's one of authority and submission, then the first thing that we must do is ask the Lord for wisdom. How do I rightly handle this situation? How do I continue to interact in this relationship honoring my parents, obeying my parents, and at the same time being wise and ultimately glorifying the Lord. And then I think that there's also, a, you know, from a, a, a practical perspective as well, um, there's, you know, if, if it's a safety issue that's involved, then it's involving other trusted adults, right? And if so, if it's a trust issue in that sense, um, you don't let that go on and hope that things are going to get better. You don't say, oh, well, it just happened once, or like that's just not something that you play with at all. So you, you bring other trusted adults into the conversation, and that can happen if it's a safety issue, and that can also happen if it's not a safety issue. We just need to make sure that in those conversations, we are always being respectful and loving. Uh, it's not going in and spewing venom for all of the things that they've done to wrong me. Uh, but it's in a humble way, bringing in wise counsel of someone who also loves the Lord and saying, hey, can you just kind of help me process this with mom and dad? I'm struggling with this right now. Any other thoughts that you guys would add? I think so. I would say um, maybe depends on why, you know, if, if, you know, if you did something really bad at some point and now your parents don't trust you, well, there's work to do. You know, you, you have work to do over time. Just parents are weird because they're simultaneously your parents and they're ordinary human beings. <laughs> and that creates, a, it's a very strange situation to be in, you know. Um, and so, because you, you, you like, you should just be able to talk to them like you can talk to anybody, but you know, they've changed your diaper, so it's really weird. And so if you've, if you've done something that broke their trust, you need to be aware of that, and you need to do the work over time to fix that. If they just don't trust you because they don't trust you, um, that's tough. Um, and I think maybe the... Why is everybody giggling at that? Maybe everybody's giggling no, the, at the, that. The, the trumpet's playing again Oh, over the here. trumpet's tooting again. Um, well, I was thinking that maybe everybody was laughing at that because you all perhaps have felt that way at some point, 
that like my parents just don't trust me randomly because they're persecuting me. I'm being oppressed. And um, it might be, I'm not saying that it is, I'm, they might just not be trusting, but it might be your attitude. Um, I've got a three-year-old right now, and um, when I tell him to do something, you know, he sits there. And then I learned this from my parents. I say, Max, are you going to obey or disobey? And he says, disobey. <laughs> but then he does it, right? Which is kind of endearing when he's three. I think he's got them mixed up is actually what I think is happening. But it's kind of endearing when he's three. But, you know, when you're your age, if your parents tell you to do something and you've got a really crummy attitude about it, but you do it anyway, it's kind of no wonder they don't trust you because you hemmed and hawed and dragged your feet. And so then, of course, they're going to check in. Did you actually stop playing the video game when I told you to stop playing the video game? Did you actually clean your room? Because you made the whole situation so miserable. So that might be something to look at, your attitude. That's good. That's good. Lincoln, I hope you were served well in that question. He gives a thumbs up. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Uh, what if your parents put too much responsibility on you and you're only a certain age and they don't understand what you're actually capable of being able to do and to do well? Great question. Thank you for asking. Any thoughts there? Karen's got a thought. I guess the first question would be, are you sure it's too much responsibility? Like maybe talking to your parents having a nice sit-down conversation, not a rage of like, I'm not doing this, you know, in the moment. But like for anything, talking to your parents and like, I don't know if I can do this. Why, why do you think I'm able to do this? You know, maybe getting more clarity. And they just might have tons of faith in you, and they might see potential in you that you don't even see yourself. You know, so I think asking your parents in a respectful you know, loving way in, when the situation isn't blowing out of proportion would be a good start to just have a conversation with them about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, um, and, and we all understand that there are varying degrees of reasonability with parents. Uh, some of them you can sit down and have the conversation with and some aren't open to the conversation. Uh, in, the, in the circumstances where they are open to the conversation, I think that's a great starting point. And, and specifically how you said, not in the heat of battle, right? Uh, like it's happening right there and they're like, you need to do this. And you, you know, it just goes back and forth and it's just explosive. Um, you're not going to get anything solved right then. Um, and so maybe it's in that instance you do your best. And then afterwards you come back when things have settled down a little bit and it's more of a conversation. Hey, um, would it be okay if I shared with you just when you asked me to do that, um, here are the thoughts that went through my head and why I responded the way that I did. And I really did. I, I, I tried to do my best. And if you're not pleased with it, then I don't know that I can actually be responsible for that. Um, and, and sitting down and having that conversation, I think, is, is a great starting spot. Good question. Maybe uh, one or two more questions on parents. We'll go Cooper. That's a great question. How can we, as children, be a blessing to our parents? All right, guys, bust out your lists. Here we go. Uh, how, can, how can children, how can we be a blessing to our parents? My parents were, uh, these have been great questions that have been asked all around. Um, just because 
I spent, as a, of course, with my family story, and I think with most family stories, I spent a lot of time just trying to figure out the changing relationships with my parents. And there was a point where there was a lot of distance um, with, my, with my new mom, with my adopted mom, and a, a thing that I uh, sort of, a little game that I invented was try and be friends with my mom. <laughs> it was sort of a, a way that I um, started thinking about my relationship with her. And I started just thinking proactively, what are things that mom likes? And so if we were shopping at a store, I would, in the checkout line, I would grab her favorite soda and I would say, Mom, this one's on me. It was a dollar, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so I think proactively, so often parents are just these, these people who have a lot of control and so much say in your life. And I know for me, my parents often felt like brick walls because they were very tough and they were very strict. Um, but even just thinking of them as people who have likes and dislikes and uh, things that they love and um, things that they enjoy and seeking to serve them and give to them and even just be a friend to them. And you're even doing that by asking that question. So great start. Do more of that. That's good. Really good. Um, I, I would say too, um, I, I think the number one way that you can be a blessing to your parents is faithfully following Jesus. Uh, for most of you guys in this room, for many of you, I should say, uh, your parents uh, know the Lord, love the Lord, and what they want for you more than anything else in life, more than your academic success, more than your career success, more than your romantic success, more than anything else, uh, they want you to love Jesus and to faithfully follow Jesus. And uh, that would be the greatest blessing, would be to live a life that is faithful to the Lord. Uh, and then along with that, um, you know, I've, I've heard parents talking, and uh, one of them was just telling me the other day they were challenged. Another parent said, hey, if you're not praying for your kids, who is? Um, well, how many people do you think are really praying for your parents? And not just praying for them, but praying with them. So, like, what would it look like for you to sit down with mom and dad and say, hey, what's one way I can be praying for you today? Um, and then to, like, put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them right then. Um, I think that would be a massive blessing to get in a, a regular habit of doing that. Great question. Uh, one more on parents. This is hard. I'm coming. Oh, I'm getting, oh, this is so hard. Um, so much pressure. Um, okay, let's do this. We'll come here and then we'll come here. They're going to be uh, brief responses to these questions. Yes, ma'am. Good question. How do you communicate how you feel to your parents when they make your feelings seem irrelevant? I have a think. Do you have a think? You go. Karen goes. Karen goes. Karen's going. I mean, because, well, because my thing is like, that seems like such a bigger question. Like, you know, why, why are they saying your feelings are irrelevant? You know, is this something that they're saying, hey, you need to take out the garbage. Your feelings are irrelevant and therefore take it out. You know, so that, that's why I was saying you might want to go because there, there's so much that I feel like is. Yeah, it, it could, it, absolutely. It could be. Now, let's just let's just concede the fact that it's a legitimate situation. And so in that instance, uh, my first thought would be um, communicate them 
communicate them gently and lovingly and respectfully. And if they continue to find them irrelevant, you likely won't be able to convince them that they are relevant. And so then at that point, you have to figure out how do I glorify the Lord by having a joyful submission, even when those who are in charge of me and have authority over me are not rightly hearing me. And um, there might be a pattern of that that establishes, and then you can sit down in a time where it's, again, not the explosive times and just say, hey, I've kind of noticed, and it, for me, it's been a struggle here over some time. Can you kind of help me understand your perspective a little bit so that I can see it from your view um, and kind of approach it from that way? But there is a point where um, in all of our relationships, no matter what, we might feel a certain way, and sometimes people won't validate those feelings, even if they're real and right on. And if we get stuck there, um, that's where we can get into some bad spots, because then the battle becomes about validating my feelings rather than a solution for whatever the dispute is, right? Um, my, my, my Evie baby, um, she tells me she's four, and sometimes when I tell her to do something, she goes, you have no idea how I feel, Daddy. <laughs> I say I love you. Uh, Jades, how do you separate your beliefs from your parents' beliefs, and should you? You definitely should. Um, before I say more about that, really quick, if you talk to your parents in a, like Cody said, not in the heat of the moment, if you talk to them, and if it doesn't go well, don't give up. Because they have heard you. And sometimes, not just parents, but anyone in authority, they sometimes feel the need to protect their authority, even if it's a, sometimes that's irrational, but you've planted it in their brain, in their heart. And they may, over time, as they see situations, begin to change. So if you have the conversation and if they don't right there, you know, fall down, weeping, I'm so sorry, you know, don't give up. Don't give up. Hang in there. But yes, you should absolutely separate your beliefs from your parents' beliefs because, well, you, like, that would be really bad. If you didn't, like, that, you know, you're not going to heaven because your parents believe in Jesus and love Jesus, you know? That, that isn't how that works. Um, you have to love Jesus, you know? Um, so you, you, must, you must separate your idea, your, what you believe from what your parents believe. Or if, God forbid, your parents say they love Jesus, but they don't do a particularly good job, then you're in a doubly difficult spot, you know? Um, if you have bad examples, um, that's really hard. But yeah, I think you've got to. I think you've got to, if nothing else, just to be honest. But you shouldn't rub it in their face or turn it into a nightly, you know, debate. Yeah. Probably. That, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. And, 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 and God willing, for many of you, you'll have the same beliefs that your parents do. They'll just be yours, not theirs. And so as you process through it, you're going to come down in the same place a lot of times. And that's good. Like, don't, don't hear in this... Uh, no, what they have is not good. Find something else. Um, no, there's a lot that's good and right. But then there are going to be some areas where it's like, 
I respect that you've arrived there and I recognize the reality that you've been thinking about this question for 30, 40, 20 more years than I have. Um, but I'm just not quite convinced of that yet. And then engage them. Can you help me understand why you came to that position? Um, and, and even communicate to them, hey, I'm, I'm also asking some other people because this question is particularly important to me. And while I very much value your input, I'm having a really hard time seeing it that way. Um, and I think that's good. I think that's okay to think through things that way. So great question. Okay. We have